Welcome to the Bay Area Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to make passionate, maturing followers of Jesus from here to the nations. We hope you will be changed by this message and invite you to visit us in the greater Annapolis area. If you would like to learn more about our church and ministries, please visit our website at bayareacc.org. Hey, good morning. It's good to be seen and to be invited into your uh, your living room, your phone, your um, Apple devices. Uh, we're glad to be worshiping with you. We got our friend Sarah Wiedewald all the way from Easton coming out. We sent her out a few years ago and we let Jake take her away from us, but she's back today to worship with us. Uh, but we're glad to be here with you. First John tells us this, that perfect love casts out all fear. And when we choose to put our minds on that perfect love that Jesus gives us, the world begins to dissipate. So can I invite you right now from wherever you're at to begin to focus in on his love, his goodness, his truth, his faithfulness as we sing out. tries to roll over my bones when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own when brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken no I won't be shaken cause my fear doesn't stand the chance when I Stand the chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't stand the chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not captive to lie. I am not afraid to leave my past behind. No, I won't be shaken. Oh, I won't be shaken. Oh, cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I student ministry pastor and interim campus pastor at the Easton campus and I'm so excited to be here with you this morning live in Annapolis. I'm also sad though, I'm sad I didn't push in 
some of the carts from the trailer this morning for setup. Sad that I didn't get to hear the band practice before the gathering or uh, smell the coffee brewing uh, as our hospitality team prepared for everyone to show up. Sad. This morning they asked me to pray and it made me think the last two weeks I've been watching online and thinking about, I wonder how many other people are worshiping or singing or praying out loud. And my prayer this morning as I was preparing for this morning was that you this morning would pray. Don't just hear my voice here as I'm praying, but that you would pray at home, out loud with your family as you're gathered around the TV, on the couch, maybe you're in your pajamas, drinking your coffee, pray with me. I wanna read you guys a verse from Philippians. It's Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So let's pray, let's pray here and in your homes. Lord, thank you for uh, who you are. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And Jesus, during your ministry on earth, you showed your power and care by healing people of all ages and stages of life, from physical, mental, and spiritual ailments. And be present now to people who need your loving touch because of COVID-19. May they feel your power of healing through the care of doctors and nurses. And take away the fear, the anxiety, the feelings of isolation from people receiving treatment or under quarantine. Give them a sense of purpose in pursuing health and protecting others from exposing them to the virus. And be their comfort in this time of uncertainty. And for many, preventative isolation from loved ones. So your word says, Call, cast all your anxiety on you because you care for us. And God, as more people get sick, healthcare workers and first responders are working longer hours with fewer supplies and with more risk of contracting the coronavirus themselves, but renew their energy and sustain them on their long shifts. Bring your protection upon them as they work with patience multiply their supplies so they have the protective items needed to stay safe on the job. To inspire and invigorate the research doctors developing better tests to diagnose the virus and identify protocols to eliminate the spread of this virus, Lord. Your word says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And Father, we seek your wisdom daily and be with the people making decisions that affect the lives and future of our families, our communities, our country, and wider, the world. We pray that, that they communicate clearly, truthfully, and calmly with each other and with the public, and that their messages are received and heeded. May truth and empathy be a great example for people. Your word says, you have delivered us from such deadly peril and you will deliver us again on you we set our hope that you will continue to deliver us holy spirit as families as families adjust to everyone being home because of businesses and schools being closed we ask that you guide people in their new realities give spouses grace for each other and prompt worn out parents to speak words of kindness and encouragement to their children and help children find creative ways to experience the beauty of all you have created and continue to learn. Your words, Lord, say, I will take refuge in the, in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. So Father, we pray, we pray that, that you, you would be glorified through this virus, Lord, that you can be glorified through this virus, Lord. We thank you for your love and your grace that you so graciously pour out on us. And we ask all this in your name, amen. Amen, amen, thank you, Jake. Well, good morning, my name is Brian Hopper and I have the privilege of serving here as the Annapolis campus pastor. Again, just wanna welcome you for joining our gathering online this morning. Just a couple of quick things for you today. First off, if you haven't checked out the website, I wanna direct your attention to our website for our Jesus at Home uh, initiative. 
throughout the week, we've got online opportunities and events for you and your family to stay connected with Jesus, to stay connected with one another, and to stay connected with your family. This past week was a great week. We hope that you'll continue to participate and join us in all of those events. Also, I want to point out our local response uh, to what we are trying to do here in the greater Annapolis area, Odenton and Easton and ways that we're trying to help meet needs locally. We've just added that to the website. If you haven't seen that, I want to encourage you to go there as well. Also, just want to quickly let you know, next Sunday, uh, we will be participating in communion together through our online gathering. We want to let you know this, want, want to let you know about this in advance so that you have an opportunity to grab uh, some juice this week and have some bread or crackers available for you and your family next Sunday. Just want to give you a heads up with that. I'd like to uh, take a moment, just transition us to our offering here this morning. Again, on behalf of the leadership here at Bay Area, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithful and generous giving through this period. We know that this has been a challenging time for many of us, but we're grateful that you've continued to give online and to mail in your checks. Our, we serve a big God. He's a global God, and he's not bound or limited by this virus. And so we can be encouraged. Uh, we know that his work continues globally and right here in Annapolis and Easton. And uh, we just want to continue to look to him to provide for that work to be done. You may have seen last night, we had a short chat with Joseph Sharon, our global ministry partner. And we got to hear a little bit about what's happening around the world there. Our, our partners in Southeast Asia are also being challenged. And so as we give, we continue to fund that work. And then we also know here locally, Many of you have reduced hours, maybe even lost your job temporarily, and that has created a financial strain. And we want you to know this is why we've taken steps to increase our benevolence fund to help meet the needs of those of you that might uh, be experiencing financial troubles here now. And you can go to the website under our local response, and if you have needs, you can go there and, and make your needs known. And, we will get back in touch with you to try to help you out. We, we want to serve our local family here, our church family, and help those who are part of Bay Area Community Church. And if that's you, we're here for you. So we just want to say thank you. Uh, we know, again, there's financial strain, and some are not able to give at the normal levels. And we would simply say, if that's you, let the Lord lead you in how to give. And for others of us who continue to receive our normal paychecks, our normal income, we would uh, ask you to seek the Lord. Perhaps this is a season or a time in which you increase your giving. Regardless, we trust the Lord for all of that. And we just want to say thank you as a church family for your generous giving to us. So wherever you are right now, would you just bow your heads with me? Let me pray for this morning's offering. You can give online at, through our app, through the website. You can text or you can mail your checks in here. But uh, however you do that, would you just bow your heads and let me uh, pray for our time, our, our offering this morning. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we do just pause just to give you thanks. We know that you are the giver of all good things and that we trust you, Lord, that even in for our personal needs as well as our church needs, that you are a faithful God, that you give generously and that you appoint those that those things that we need to continue to live and to fulfill your ministry calling. So Lord, I pray for every person here right now. I want to pray for those who are experiencing fear, doubt, concern about their finances. Lord, I pray that you would reassure them, that your presence would just give them a sense of hope and confidence because Lord, you provide what we need. And likewise, for us as a church, Lord, would you continue to fund the ministry that's taken place both here in Annapolis and around the world during this time. We thank you, Lord. We trust you and we believe in you. And we offer this up in your mighty name. Amen. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, till from heaven you came mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt
Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Good to be with you on this Sunday. Welcome to all the families in all the living rooms and the kitchens and the dining rooms or the lofts, wherever you are. Hey, kids, hopefully you are settling in and getting ready to listen to Dad. Well, uh, it's good to be back with you for week two here live from Annapolis. And believe it or not, everybody, we are two weeks away from Easter. Say it ain't so. We are two weeks away from Easter. And if you tuned in with us last week, you heard me talk about my grandmother, Grace. And it's always this time of year, and you know, Grace has passed away, but it's around this time of year that I look back on some very fond memories uh, that every Easter season I did with Grace. In particular, there's a day, and we'll get there uh, after next weekend, called Monday Thursday. It's the Thursday before Good Friday, and growing up in an inner city, Baltimore inner city church, we had this tradition. Now, this might seem weird to some of you guys who didn't grow up in a liturgical church setting, but basically what would happen is before Good Friday, the priest would take the communion elements and he would move them into a side chapel in this, you know, massive place of the Church of the Advent. There was a, a little side chapel and 
on Thursday night, people signed up for what we called the watch. Now, the watch was basically a couple of people going into that side chapel, sitting quietly, reading, listening, praying. And when you're 10, 12 years old, you don't really know what you're doing in that chapel. And that was the case for me. All I knew was year in and year out on Monday, Thursday, it would be me and Grace in a completely empty church in a cold, dark little side chapel doing something known as the watch until about midnight or 1 a.m. when somebody would come to relieve us. And trust me, we didn't leave, we didn't leave the watch until we were relieved from the watch. Now, I was reflecting on that and I started to think, honestly, I didn't know why we needed to watch for Jesus. <laughs> because as a kid, and I'm talking middle school, high school, you know, I was into superheroes and my superheroes were like Batman, Superman, Jesus. And Jesus was the superhero to me and I didn't know why he asked his disciples to watch with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that was what the watch on Thursday night was representing. Uh, and I didn't know, and, and actually, I, I didn't really understand why we were doing it. Because if you remember the account, and just in a second, we're going to open up Matthew 26 and talk about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But Jesus knew everything that was coming. He knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that Peter was going to deny him, that the disciples were going to scatter. He knew that the path of the mission of his father was to the cross, and if he knew all these things were going to happen, I just didn't really understand why he wanted his, his disciples to be with him in that moment. Like he, you know, the, the mission to the cross was a solo mission. And I just never got it. Uh, and I didn't get it actually in earnest, honestly, 100% honestly, until this week because of what's happening uh, in our world. And I want to get into that. But first, let me pray and give you a second to get your Bibles out. If you have them, you can open up to Matthew 26 or your phone on your app. And I would love to, you to, for you to follow along with me. So let's pray before we jump in to the Word. Heavenly Father, we pause here. And we ask that as we sit under the authority of your good, helpful, and practical Word, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you would change us from the inside out. May it be your heavy lifting that gets accomplished in our hearts today. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for amening me. Now, we're just going to look at a couple of verses here in Matthew 26. And the account is when Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane before Judas comes and, and he's taken to the rulers. Now, to set the context, Jesus has just celebrated the Passover with his disciples. There was a lot of teaching and foot washing. In fact, this is where Jesus instituted communion or the Lord's Supper, and he introduced the new covenant to his friends. After that, they sung a hymn, and then they went out to the Mount of Olives into this little spot that they would have frequented known as the Garden of Gethsemane. So let's pick up in chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there to pray. Now something to point out here about this verse is this, this would have been the regular place that Jesus would have gone outside of, you know, Jerusalem with his disciples, maybe regularly. So this was their local spot. This was a frequented spot for the disciples. If Jesus at all was trying to evade being betrayed by Judas and getting captured by the guards, maybe he would have picked another spot. But he didn't pick another spot. He picked this spot, knowing that Judas would have gone there looking for him. Then verse 37, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, who are, as you would know in the Bible, James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So here's the scene. Jesus gets to the Garden of Gethsemane. All of the 11 are with him at that point. He tells the 11 to, to hang out here, or he leaves eight behind, and he takes his inner circle with him, Peter, James, and John. Uh, that inner circle probably would have been the closest friends to Jesus among the disciples. 
And notice here in the next verse, there's, there's a there's a change in demeanor. There's a change in Jesus' spirit. There's a change in his heart. Remember, in the upper room, he's washing people's feet. He's introducing the Lord's uh, supper. He's singing a hymn. And now something shifts in his heart. He said to them, verse 38, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and Watch with me. What's happening in Jesus' mind and what's happening in Jesus' heart? Well, a couple things happen here. He's, he's getting ever so closer to the final lap of the Father's plan. And you think about this plan has been unfolding for 33 years. He was born. He grew up. Lived, lived a perfect life. He began his ministry. And he was out proclaiming the kingdom of God and healing the sick and even raised the dead. And all of these amazing things were happening. But now he's rounded third and he's heading home. And it's hitting him in a way that it's never hit him before. He says to his friends, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. There's a great pain and a great sadness that's overcome Jesus. And we actually see the difficulty of, of knowing what needs to be done and then having to do it. There's a great, there's a great difficulty in, in carrying out and putting into practice God's will. And notice the request before we look at the next verse here. And this request is actually the first reason why he wanted his, his friends to be there in the first place. And actually, this is one of the reasons that probably Grace was trying to impart to me why we needed to go and, and traditionally celebrate a watch. He says, watch with me. Now, that little phrase, watch with me, literally means stay awake, stay up, don't go to sleep. My kids would love if I said that to them any night of their lives, but we say go to bed, Jesus says, stay up with me. Just be here. I'm going over here to pray. My heart is sorrowful, but stay here. Be here and just stay awake. This is the first reason that we see Jesus bringing his disciples into the garden. With him this particular night, even though it was a solo mission to the cross, he wanted them here because he wanted human sympathy. He wanted human touch. He wanted human contact. It's here. Like we know superhero Jesus. We know resurrection's coming. We know he's got power to raise people from the dead. But we have to remember that Jesus was fully human. And there's something about being human that a contact and a touch with other human beings is so very important. And that's why this week, this completely hit me. Because I'm looking at the news. And I'm scrolling through the Facebook videos. And I see a video of a, of a little kid who's really missing school. And a parade of his teachers coming by in cars, beeping and waving and shouting. And that endeared me. And it, and it showed me that there's a real connection being lost right now. Or the video I scrolled through... And I saw a guy on the balcony, maybe you saw this one, the guy on a balcony playing piano in Italy. And the people in the street start singing along. And there's just something that struck me that while we're in separate quarters and quarantine and on lockdown, how vital and important it is to have human connection. Like, we were made for this somehow. Somehow imparted with the image of God, a, a triune God who's in perfect community in and of himself, created us for that same kind of community. Now that we don't really have it accessible, we're starting to miss it. And here, Jesus just wanted his friends to be around at the lowest point of his life. And we want people around, don't we, in the highs and lows of our life. You know, I, I get the opportunity to do a handful of weddings every, every year. One common thing across the board is the groom 
typically always has some groomsmen around celebrating, getting ready, straightening the tie, getting the rings, encouraging him. The bride has her bridesmaids sharing and putting on the dress and getting make, made up and the flowers and the hair. And it's an event because it's a high in somebody's life and you want to share it with people. And the same is true with the lows of our life. When we have funerals, you just want people to come and be around. People you haven't seen in, in years start to come and they'll mourn with you and they'll grieve with you because this is part of what it is to be a human being to have this connection and here's Jesus knowing that in a few hours he's going to be walking by himself to Calvary but while he still can he just wants his boys there with him that's the first reason we see Jesus bring, bringing his disciples to the garden and I only have two reasons, okay? So that's the first. Second one will be here in a second. But then Jesus is going to move in to pray. He's actually going to pray his prayer. And there's a deep spiritual lesson for us to gain here. Verse 39, look at it with me. And going on a little farther, he fell on his face, prayed and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And can I just say how important of a prayer for humankind that prayer was? If there was ever a prayer that was important for our well-being, it was that one right there of Jesus preparing himself for the mission ahead. And notice he didn't pray on his knees. He prayed on his face. A little farther, he fell on his face. And he talks to his dad. He says, dad, if there's any way possible that the cup would pass for me. What does that mean? The cup is the cup of his suffering and death. The cup is being nailed to a cross. The cup is having to give and sacrifice his very life. Jesus says, being a human being, if there's any other way, dad, that we can work out this plan of salvation, like now's the time. If there's a ram in the thicket somewhere, I need to see it shaken because Judas is coming and this is it. And that is the human side of Jesus. And in his flesh, feeling the resistance of the difficulty of putting the mission into action. But notice the very next thing he says after, if there's any other way, in my flesh, I would rather not. Right after that, he says, but not as I will, not as my flesh would want, but as you will. He says, superseding my request is your will, Father in heaven. So he made his request known to God. And then at the same time, he yielded his will to the will of the Father. Now reflecting back on this, actually, a little bit further in the Bible is the book of Hebrews. And the author of Hebrews is looking back to the Garden of Gethsemane in Hebrews chapter 5. I want to share this verse with you. Because my question is, well, did Jesus' prayer get heard? Like, did God hear it? Did it work? Like, he prayed for another way. It didn't really happen. So did he hear his prayer? The author of Hebrews says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears, picturing the garden. To him who was able to save him from death, God had the power to save him from death. And look at what he says here. And he was heard because of his reverence. The author of Hebrews tells us that Jesus prays and his prayer was heard. But he still had to go to the cross. So how did God, the Father, answer the prayer of Jesus, the Son? Like, what was the response? What was the answer? And in Matthew's gospel, it's not entirely clear, but Luke actually records the same account and gives us this detail after Jesus prays. And Luke adds this detail, which is a clue for us, of how God might have heard this prayer and answered this prayer to help out his son. And we see in Luke 22, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. 
And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. So God the Father hears the reverent, meaningful, desperate prayer of his son in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's over here and the three are over here and the eight are out there and God answers that prayer, but he doesn't answer it by saying this cup will pass. He answers it by saying, no, you have to drink it, but I am going to give you the power to succeed. I am going to strengthen you and empower you And in the moment, I sent an angel to you so that you can succeed in accomplishing my will. That's how God the Father answers the prayer of God the Son. Because Jesus is now wanting to be able to make it to the cross, knowing that his flesh wants to to slink away from it. He's a person. He's a human being. Nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to die. And he's starting to feel that tug. and, And he places his trust Surrender, yieldedness, will in the hands of his father. And his father says, I will strengthen your hand and I will empower you to carry out this mission. So his prayer was answered. He was going to get the help to make it to the cross. So what about the disciples? What's happening back here as this is happening over here? Well, Jesus gets up and he goes back. And in verse 40, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour. He says, Peter, I'm over here literally sweating drops of blood. I am so agonizing over the pain of what's about to happen. I'm just looking for a little sympathy. I'm just looking for a little empathy. I'm just looking for you to stay awake so you can look into my eyes and I can look into yours and I can know that in this moment, I'm not alone. Peter, could you even stay up an hour with me? It's like you're here, Peter, but you're not here. I can get that from both marriage and parenting at times. You ever, you ever in the room, but you're not in the room? You ever hanging out with the kids, but you're completely zoned out and really not with the kids? Well, I mean, the three were there. It's like, I'm here. I'm in the room. But Jesus says, but you're not with me. You're not feeling this. And so, so when, when Jesus comes back to them, it's like a charge to say, okay, come on, wake up, let's stay in it. One hour, you can do this, and I'm going back to pray again because I need more of that to accomplish what God's calling me to do. And then we're going to see the second reason he brought them here because Jesus, ever the master teacher, is now going to make sure he gives one last deep spiritual lesson to his disciples about life in general. So the first reason was he wanted them there because he's a human being and he wants connectivity. He doesn't want to stay in isolation. We get that, especially today. But the second reason is right here in verse 41. Because after he says, Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, I want to point something out as this remains below just for a minute. Because this is something that we actually just saw Jesus do. And now Jesus is then going to teach. So this is first something that Jesus had to do. Because Jesus realizes, I am hours away from suffering and being in pain and heading to the cross. Even though I know that's the will and the mission and the plan of my Father, what I feel as a human being is, I don't feel like doing that. So if there's any other way, and Jesus had to watch and he had to pray and he had to hit his face in reverent prayer and look up to God and say, help me, because I can feel myself getting pulled away from this thing. So he just lived it and then he tells his disciples, you're going to need to do this too. 
The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He says, guys, listen, you're going to need to be strengthened by God too for what's coming at you. And that's how verse 41 ends. And that's actually as far as I want to go in putting verses up and, and looking at them one by one. Because I want to apply now, I want to apply this to our lives. But this is how the section ends. I'm just going to read it to you. I'm not going to have it up here. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. How discouraging was that? Just, this is not the Bible, this is Pat here. Like, how discouraging was that? You just, spirit is willing, flesh is weak, stay awake, hour. You come back, they're asleep. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Not my will, your will. Not my will, your will. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Let us, let us rise and be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And that was it. And you can read on, and I encourage you to read both what happened before and what happens after. In this account, Judas will come, and, and soon Jesus will be taken away to the court of the high priest for a mock trial. But what Jesus was saying here is, guys, that's it. Like, it was over. <laughs> the window of time to be with me, it's ended. Sleep later, here comes Judas. And the Garden of Gethsemane was about to be invaded. And my question for everybody this morning as we close here to take home and to consider and to take to heart is what are we supposed to do with the Garden of Gethsemane? Two things. Number one, especially coming into Easter, we can appreciate just how difficult carrying out the mission of the cross was for Jesus. Like we can just say, yeah, Jesus was fully divine. He knew it was going to happen. He trusted the Father was going to raise him up on the third day. He told his disciples that. He told his disciples that he'll see him in Galilee after he's resurrected. He knew that, but there's a difference between knowing something and doing something. And it's really hard. He wanted his boys, and they couldn't even hang for a couple hours in prayer. So we can say, thanks, Jesus. Thanks for having to go that one alone for yielding your will to the Father's will. So number one is, well, we can be thankful. We can have gratitude. And number two, we cannot waste the lesson that is still true today and important today. And so let me illustrate it for you this way in closing. I want to show you these two words. And these are all words that we just looked at in some form or fashion here in the story, this word is knowing. Knowing and doing. They're different words, aren't they? Just for the obvious. Knowing something is not the same as doing something, right? Uh, I can know the speed limit. I can see it on the drive here, 55. Different story, driving 55. I can know that my dentist says, Pat, you need to floss more. Doing it, not so much, as evidenced by the fact that it becomes like a boxing match when I go to the dentist. But at any rate, knowing is different than doing. And for all y'all non-flossers out there, you get what I'm saying. Now, here's my point here. This is what I want to show you. It is not automatic when we know something that we're going to do something. There is, in fact, a gap in between knowing and doing. There's a gap here. And this applies spiritually as well. We can know some things that God says, 
but there can tend to be a gap between actually implementing them and doing them. That's why different parts of the Bible, you're going to see things like, don't just be a hearer of the word, only but be a doer of the word. And when Jesus says, the man who hears my words and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. We see it all over the place, but there is a gap, and this gap uh, is here because of what Jesus said to his disciples. Well, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In spirit, I can know some things that God wants me to do and wants me to be about, love my neighbor, do all these things. And I think they're good ideas, and I want to be about them. And it could be something very clear from the Bible. This is God's will for me. Or it could be something he laid on my heart. This is something I feel like God wants me to do. And I'm into it in spirit, but I, but I wrestle in my flesh because doing it is difficult. Carrying it out is difficult. To use Gethsemane, Jesus knew his path and mission was to the cross. He even knew that there was going to be resurrection. But he even said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then he told us what to do to bridge the gap and to close the gap. And this is the lesson for the disciples in Gethsemane. And this is a lesson for us. What fills the gap here? is this little idea of reverent prayer. Jesus says, listen, you got to stay awake and you got to watch and pray because the danger in the gap is that you're going to fall into temptation before you get to do the thing God wants you to do. Case in point, Peter. I'll, I'll put this back in a second. Case in point, Peter. Peter said, Jesus, I know, I no, 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 I'm not going to deny you. And I'm going to go down if I have to. He goes to sleep in the garden. He is not prayed up. He is not ready to roll. He falls into temptation. Judas comes. He cuts some dude's ear off. You can read about that. And then he denies Jesus three times before the rooster crows the next day. There's a danger in this gap. So Jesus says, don't try to power through that gap. You got to go to God and you got to go to God, have to go to God in reverent prayer. What do I mean reverent prayer? Well, I'm pulling this from Hebrews 5:7. Reverent prayer is not just slapping on the name of Jesus before we eat. We can fall into that rut. Reverent prayer is not just repeating and reciting rote things in the walls of our mind. Reverent prayer is not just complaining about stuff and every now and then like looking up and saying like, God, do you hear me? Because I'm, I'm complaining. Reverent prayer is taking this intentional time to get on your knees and on your face and appeal to your creator for help. It's not something we have to do. It's something we get to do. This is what we see Jesus teaching his disciples so that when they face the thing that they know they're supposed to do, they'll be prepared and helped and ready to actually do it. Reverent prayer prepares you, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, to walk in those good works that God has prepared in advance for you to walk in. And in fact, the battle is won in a lot of ways right here. Jesus won an epic battle right here. Because notice in the garden, right before the prayer, sorrow, anguish, misery on his face, sweating drops of blood. After the prayer, and as soon as he's strengthened and ready, you go on to read the rest of the gospel accounts. You're going to see Jesus bold, brave, confident, and unflinching all the way to Calvary, carrying out the mission of his Father. And if Jesus, the Son of God, my superhero, needed that prayer, strength, and help, how much more do we in the things that he calls us to, to eventually be able to get there, putting those things into practice? So here's how I would like to close with a final charge, a simple one. And it's this. I would like you all watching to consider one thing, just one thing, 
that God has laid on your heart recently. A knowing. Something where the Spirit is willing. Maybe with something from the Bible. Maybe with something he laid on your heart. Just one thing. I'd like you to consider that. And then at some point today, it doesn't have to be right now, but at some point today, as you're in isolation and quarantine and we have more time, get away and take time and pray. Pray a reverent prayer to a holy God that would be him strengthening you to allow your will to bend to his will so that getting his will can get going. Just one thing that you might want to ask his help for so that you be prepared to do it when the time comes. So in closing, friends, I'm going to pray for us. And actually, I would like to end this way. I'd like to pray over us. So I'm going to ask everybody, wherever you are, kids, if you're still with me, parents, if you're still with me, I'd like you to stand up from the couch, from the kitchen table, you're not going to be judged. I can't see you, but I would like you to stand up. I want to pray this over us from Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, everybody, you have a great day, and I'll see you on Palm Sunday. i